We are in uh, the final week of Advent. So week four as uh, Advent is a time and a season of preparing, of getting ready for uh, King Jesus to come into uh, this world. In the Old Testament, the people of God, they had three offices, right? They had prophet, priest, and king. Um, I preached through king and priest. Um, and last week, um, Isaac Hahn gave us uh, a sermon about Jesus as prophet. Um, and you can get those. Uh, we have them on iTunes. They're on our website as well. Uh, they're recorded each week. If you, want to listen, if you weren't here and you wanted to listen to um, Jesus as prophet, um, the ultimate explanation of Jonah as Isaac brought to us last week. Um, Priests bring people to God. Kings rule the people according to God's character and promises. The the Westminster Confession says that um, in Christ, fulfilling the office of king, he has defeated all of his and our enemies. And not the physical enemies of this world, like some, I don't know, the the Syrians over there and, and the wars in the Middle East, but truly Satan's sin and death. Um, and then as prophet, that he is the very image of God and the very word of God. That in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. All these offices point to Jesus Christ coming as a redeemer, fulfilling prophet, priest, and king totally and fully forever and ever. Because he is the God who came down, the God with us, Emmanuel. And that's what we're going to be reading from Isaiah uh, chapter 7, uh, 10 through 17. If you hear the word of God, again the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Hear, O then, o, hear then, O house of David. It is too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey, and he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. The Lord will bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house such days as have not come since the days that Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Assyria. Saul has failed as king. David brought unity as king. And he brought power, but he also failed. And Solomon, even though he was the wisest man that ever lived, as we learn in Jesus as king, he also failed. He brought idolatry into the land of Israel. And after Solomon, the kingdom divided and suffered, and so when the kingdom divided, you have um, Israel to the north, and then you have Judah to the south, and they've divided as as a kingdom. God did not want this; He wanted unity. He wanted His people to dwell in peace and unity, and be a light unto the nations. Our text brings us to that divided kingdom. Ahaz is king of Judah after the kingdom has split. Uh, he was 20 years old when he became king, but I can't imagine that. I mean, as a 20-year-old, if you look at, I mean, myself and other 20-year-olds that have ever uh, lived in this day and age, it's like, how could that weight of a kingdom be upon someone so young? And he reigned for 16 years. Uh, Ahaz is generally portrayed as an evil king, 
as a king that did not trust God to lead his kingdom. And so you have these two kingdoms that are going to, as in this text said, will be deserted. The king of Assyria, I'm sorry, the king of Syria and the king of Ephraim, which is Israel to the north. And they're trying to force Judah, using their own might and strength, to have an alliance with them to fight Assyria. And instead they should, as Ahaz should have, had confidence because of God's covenant with David. Now, Ahaz is in that line. He's that kingdom of, the, the kingdom of Judah is in the line of David. And yet he is not trusting the covenant promises that God gave to David in the past. He does not trust God's care. That's what it says in verse 2. When the house of David was told, Syria is in league with Ephraim, Israel, to the north, the heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. He is scared. Would you be scared? Too large? I mean, Israel was much larger, right? It was the other tribes. Much larger than Judah. Then you have this powerhouse Syria. And they're saying, if you don't join with us, Assyria, this other powerhouse of the kingdom, is going to destroy you and take over. And so this is the heart of Ahaz and the heart of the people because he wasn't leading them, shook. They were scared. God brings judgment on the northern kingdom of Israel and says, within 65 years, right, Ephraim, Israel, you will no longer be a nation. That is your judgment. The countdown has begun. So Assyria rules now. Ahaz still has the opportunity to lead Judah into faithfulness and standing firm in the promises of God who leads, who should be the one leading them. But unbelief in God destabilizes everything for Ahaz, not just his religious life, but his leadership life, his kingship as well. He wants to trust in horses and chariots. But God calls out and says, no, trust in the name of the Lord your God. And Isaiah here is trying to bring God's voice to Ahaz, but Ahaz will not listen. Right? They, have, they have competing views about Syria and Israel. Just as we must learn over and over again that we must put our hope in, in God and not in human power. Right? How often do we trust in horses and chariots instead of the Lord our God? I remember a pastor um, was, was sharing a story one time at a conference. He says that he and his wife, every time they fly, they pray. Some trust in horses and chariots. Some trust in airplanes and their wings. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. I mean, for most of us, I think flight is still a great mystery. Somehow physics and aerodynamics lift and all that get the plane off the ground but we still don't know how it flies and Ahaz is faking and pretending to not want to bother God with a cry for help right what does he say he says um, I won't no I'm not going to put the Lord God to the test but God is literally telling him put me to the test call out to me cry out to me whatever it takes as deep as Sheol Right, that's like the pit, death, like the under the ground place, or as high as the heavens. 
And he's saying, no, I'm not, you know, I know these things. I'm not supposed to put you to the test. I'm not going to weary God, worry him, call out to him. God tells him to ask for a sign and he says no. So Judah's too weak, we're too weary, we can't, we can't stand to be strong. The, the nations are crowding around us. The, the pressures of the culture are too great. How can I stand here strong in the midst of it? We, we might as well give up. It's the kings and the people and the prophets and even the priests that keep failing. They lack faith. They do not trust in the promises of God. And now comes the heart of the text. It says, therefore, because of your faithlessness, I will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. The Lord himself, that God brings hope to the hopeless. This is good news for all of us, that the future is bright even if today is dark. Right? Will anybody come to this church? And that's what, that's what I, mean. I, I, I woke up thinking that this morning. Right? There's sometimes, I mean, as a, as a pastor, as a church planter out here in New England, a place that the, the gospel has come and kind of gone, and yet we see some signs of it, and we're in the small town of Suffield, and we think, okay, Kelly and the kids are sick. That's like half the church. They're not here. Uh, Brandon and Victoria are gone. They're right. They're gone because they're going back to Illinois for Christmas. And Noah's up in Deerfield for Christmas. And um, we have the faithful here this morning, right? We are gathered here today, right? It can, the, the world is, or when we, we hear the news, we hear about people because they're speaking the, the gospel, their, their content is literally being pulled from the internet. From the, the site. I mean, we live in strange times. And we can think that it's dark and that we put. I'm, I'm preaching to myself right now because I'm, I can often put my, my trust in horses and chariots of a different kind, right? That rather than the word of God going out, right? In flyers and signs and Facebook ads or wh- whatever it might be. I mean, this sermon is as much for me right now as it is for all of us right now. The future is bright even if today is dark because this is true for all who live under Emmanuel. The failures of the present and the past future kings has caused the king of kings to say, there is a promise coming. There is a sign coming that is for you and for the people who put their faith and trust in me that I will be their God and they will be my people, that God himself, the Lord will do it, will come down and will be the God with you, the God with your people, the God with us. Ahaz was in the line of David. The promises of the covenant of David were passed on to him, and yet he did not believe them. And so God says, I will be that king. 
And so Jesus came down and got and entered physically into this world. He broke into history. There's a lot of uh, cliches that go around, you know, like the reason for the season. I mean, like those kind of things that, that happen around Christmas time. And one of those, I don't know if I've ever seen it before, but it hit me last night. Somebody posted it, and it was a picture of like right the manger, which probably didn't look anything like the manger back then. You know, the, the pieces of wood that are like this, and there's the hay there. And it said, and it was it was like I, cheesy, but it like really hit me to the quick right away. It was um, a king size bed, right? A king size bed, and I was like, that's awesome. Um, it's cheesy, but I love it. Like kind of like my humor, right? And uh, so God entered into history to undo the history of sin that we have brought into this world. That God walked with Adam and Eve. I mean, Emmanuel, God with us, was with Adam and Eve. He walked with them. He had community with them and communion. And nothing separated that. And yet sin entered the world and that was broken, that communion but God pursued. He doesn't stop pursuing. He showed up in the burning bush. He spoke to his prophets. He was with the people as a pillar of fire and of smoke. He dwelt in the temple in the tabernacle. He was God present there as spirit. The earth, this is um, Burke Parsons, who um, is uh, he's one of the at Ligonier Ministries, is R.C. Sproul, um, who passed away um, almost a year ago, last year, started this wonderful ministry. And Burke Parsons is kind of the one of the, the leaders now. Um, and uh, this is an aside, a little known fact, but it's, he was actually one of the original Backstreet Boys. Um, it's kind of this funny fact that you can go and look it up, but he, um, before they went kind of public, he was being groomed to be one of them. And he felt God's call to ministry. And, uh, and so he left and he did it and he pursued um, work in, in the, uh, I can't remember the guy that, st- but the guy that started Backstreet Boys and Sync called him to say, I'm starting another group in Sync. Would you want to be part of it? And he said no again. Um, and then he went to seminary and became a pastor. And now he pastors, I believe, at um, uh, R.C. Sproul's, the, the church that's part of, Um, the campus. But he writes this, he says, um, the earthly tabernacle and temple of Israel and all their furnishings served Israel by manifesting God's presence through symbols, types, and shadows. Everything meant something in the tabernacle pointing to Christ. They pointed to the day that when God would condescend to dwell with us, among us, and in us. This is Emmanuel. And he says this. I think this is so helpful for us to know the grace that has been given to us. It says, God was not required. God was not required to dwell with us. And God does not possess any inherent need to dwell with us. But because of his sovereign love and for his glory, he chose to dwell with us and in us. That he chose to do that, and he did not have to. That Christ is the incarnate. Do you remember what carne means? Kind of in the Romance languages? What if I, what if I said... Go to Taco Bell and get a carne asada taco. 
Meat. Meat, right? So incarnation, right, is the flesh dwelling with us, the Savior, the beauty of Emmanuel, that he didn't come as an angel or a spirit manifesting itself from time to time as he did in the, in the Old Testament. He took to himself bone of our bone and flesh of our flesh, the same as Adam and Eve, the same as us, and put on the flesh. Not as like a Superman figure, right? only pretending to be human, but truly human. No other religion in this world can say that, can offer that hope and comfort. And as a people of God, we get many, many blessings from the truth of Emmanuel, God with us. He is a Savior come to make us right with God. Adam and Eve broke that relationship. They broke that communion in their first sin. We inherit that, but we also continue to break that relationship. We break relationships with God, with each other. Right When we fight, when we're angry, when we cheat, when we steal, when we're selfish. Right, If you have kids, you can see those relationships being broken all the time. That we are born as enemies of God, that we do not have fellowship with Him because of that sin and brokenness, but Emmanuel, right? But God, being rich in mercy, came into this world to save us from that brokenness and save us from our sins. That He gave His life as an offering. The Bible says as a propitiation, a satisfaction of God's wrath so that we might live in peace with him and be brought back into fellowship. On the cross, he sacrificed himself and was both sacrifice and priest so that we might be in fellowship with God. He is God himself and has spoken to us so we have his words in the Gospels But he has also promised us the Spirit to be with us and guide us. It is his Spirit. And to expand the church. Again, not by might nor by power, but by his Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. He will do this. So we can come up with all sorts of physical, earthly ways of manipulating attendance and grabbing people and offering a free car if you just come and raffle it off and do these things. Or we can do it by the power of the Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. When Christ ascended into heaven, and even before as he promised, I will send a helper for you. Heidelberg Catechism um, says it this way. It says, with respect to his Godhead, majesty, grace, and spirit, he is at no time absent from us. That Christ in his grace and his mercy and his presence and his majesty and his spirit says he is no at no time absent from us. 
Jesus promised in Matthew 28, says, I, Behold, I am with you always. He is always with us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. He is Emmanuel to comfort his people. I mean, think of the Psalms, the way that they comfort God's people with David. He, that, um, he lays us by still waters. That Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He wants to remove that from us. The Spirit is even called um, not just the helper, but comforter as well. That we shouldn't fear. And even when the earth shakes and the kingdoms rage, even when our jobs are lost, I was listening to, um, there's a very large church in the Chicago area that has been under some scrutiny for a while um, about uh, the way that it, um, its senior pastor kind of leads with a strong hand and, um, and the elders are just sort of yes men who never call him out on his, on his sin. A lot of money mismanagement, a lot of spiritual abuse in the church because if you're not on board, um, and one Another pastor once said, who thankfully was taken down, if you're not on the bus, get out of the way or you're going to be under the bus. Sounds very gracious and loving to, to the people of the church. Um, and, and the question was asked, there was this, um, this Christian woman who was kind of breaking the story because no one was holding this church accountable. And you have these, these elders who, are, who, who took so long to say something. Um, and she said, said it so matter-of-fact, I think outside of that it's so much easier than to, to fight and to understand it when your job is on the line. But the question was asked, what should have the, these elders have done? And, she's, and these were paid staff. And she said they should have quit their jobs rather than just be on board, kind of going with the train of spiritual abuse and money mismanagement and being yes men while like kind of deep in their hearts knowing, well, this is wrong, but how am I going to provide for my family? And that's easier said than done. Don't get me wrong. But that, I think that's part of this comfort, knowing that God is with us and that even when the earth shakes and the kingdoms rage, he is with us, that God's presence with his people is constant because the Lord of hosts is with us, Emmanuel. He is near you. He cares for you. He will help and protect you. God, Emmanuel, with us, that he is with us to bring people, his people, to glory. That even though we sit here and we tremble, we don't know about, is our, our investments, is our job going to be here? Are our kids going to grow up and not be jerks? I mean, like, we have these questions and we wonder. But in glory, those worries will be gone our worries about the nations raging and the earth shaking will be gone. That God, Emmanuel, God with us, we will be with him in peace and without tears or mourning. In glory, the presence of God with his people will be perfect and uninterrupted. That we will even see him face to face. Without the worry of dropping, without the worry of dropping dead. 
those questions for us, that do we believe this? Do we believe in our heart of hearts that God is with us, Emmanuel? Do we trust him? Now we say yes, but then we have moments of lack of faith. But then we would go and we look and we see, yes, he is with us. Do we turn back to him? Do we see how low, do we understand how low Christ came from the heavens? How much he condescended in his humility from being in the heavens and coming down and taking on our flesh. Being in the sin of this world. Being surrounded by broken people, death and decay taking on physical body. How low that is and how he chose to do it. And do we experience the blessings of God with us? Do we know what that's like? Do we experience that peace and that joy and that comfort? Not all the time. You know, we're not going around with fake smiles on our face acting like it's so great and happy all the time. But do we understand what deep joy is and deep peace is? That there is a God who is with us and will never leave us nor forsake us. Again, we go back to the question from John. How do I be born again? Because only those that are born again can truly experience a God with them. Because they are now born into a new family where God is part of their family. Where God is the God with you and with his people. That he is your Emmanuel. And if that is true, then you are part of the temple presence of Jesus Christ. Because he is with us as his people at Trinity Grace Church in Suffield, we represent God to the people of this town, of Feeding Hills, of East Windsor, wherever you may be, because God is with us by his spirit. Paul tells the the church in Ephesus in chapter 2, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. The church is the place God is dwelling with his people. That he is with you personally, but he is with you because you are part of the body of Christ. That we literally walk around with Christ as the head of our body. With the spirit indwelling in us. So our charge in this Advent season is to hold fast to the truths and the blessings of Emmanuel. Truly this Christmas, know that you have, you do not have to climb up to the highest of highs. There's no, you don't have to climb up Jacob's ladder. You do not have to reach up and grab God and bring him down to you. God has already done that. He has chosen to come down and grab you and be with you. Let us pray.